the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian, is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. You know, I I go to a lot of meetings of different types locally, and if you ask any group at any meeting what they see as the biggest local issues, I can guarantee homelessness will be at least in the top three, if not number one. Government has never spent more money on this problem. It's a big political issue, and yet the number of homeless people in our neighborhoods throughout California just seems to continue to grow. So we're going to talk today with Chris Megason. Chris is a social entrepreneur. He's the co-founder and CEO of Solutions for Change. And he's been doing this since 1993. He has a lot of innovative programs that have solved homelessness permanently for over 4,500 people. So I think we should take a closer look at this. His trademark is get up, suit up, show up, which I believe he says he learned as a United States Marine. So in a field that's oft talked about, a lot of money spent about, but not a lot of success, solutions for change is a shining light of success, so we want to learn more. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks, Brian, for having me on the show. It's really good to be here. So I thought we'd start for, you know, some of our audience is probably not even familiar with Solutions for Change. I'd like to start with you just telling us what your what your philosophy is what, what it, or what your core values are in addressing this very frustrating problem. Yeah, and that's, I love that you're starting off with that question because I think, you know, for, for anyone uh, that is called in the, in, in the service and into work, um, it really does start with the why, which, like you said, is a philosophy and, you know, includes the core values. So, you know, for, for, for me and, and those that I serve, uh, we see this problem entirely different than the government and really the, the, the entire homelessness response um, service sector sees it. So they see it as a housing problem. Uh, we see it as a, a problem where human beings are disconnected uh, and struggling. And of course, you know, um, we'll probably talk about this a little bit more later, but the disconnection is a disconnection from Christ and really just and just living in in a society today that um, that is perpetuates and enables and, and even really even encourages people in escapism kind of behavior. And I've I've been doing this for you know forty years, the last thirty for the homeless, and and um, I, I've never seen it as um, 
as bad, and, and really it's uh, it's shocking. Um, um, but there's, you know, this book called The Bible that tells us that this is what happens, you know, when sin is normalized. And so I think for us it's, uh, you know, this is um, – this is uh, for us. This is a uh, a life and death mission that we're on, and you know the nice thing about it is for believers. You know, uh, we've already won. You know, so so uh, I've already won this battle. But um, yeah, so I think the philosophy is, and I love this one um, this one term. I call it root striker. And you know, there's the uh, the, the there's the, the blurb that says you know for every thousand striking at the branches of sin there's one that strikes at the root and for us you know that's really it sums up our philosophy is is and it's not easy to do because hacking at the actually hacking at the branch hacking and striking can look the same to the observer um, but it's very very different striking is intentional it's Mm. purposeful hacking at the branches is just hacking Wow, I'm really impressed that you have been working on this for 40 years, and you really know a lot about it, and we want to know about the root causes, striking at the root. Before that, though, I just kind of want to ask you how you came to do this out of being a Marine. You were a U.S. Marine. Just a little about your story. Uh, You know, a lot of people wouldn't choose this career, but you've been doing it all this time. And so just a little bit about how you started. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Kathleen. It, it's, uh, it, it was 30, a little over 30 years ago, 1992, uh, right after the first Gulf War. And um, interestingly enough, it's interesting how, how the Holy Spirit works because I lost a push-up bet and the loser had to go serve in a soup kitchen line. And, and I probably would have done it anyway because I'm service-oriented, but had I not lost, you know, I never would have, I don't know if that I, I would have found this calling. So I'm standing there serving a bowl of soup and then a volunteer next to me says, look out, there's Wolfman. And I look up and there's this guy that looked really angry with hair all over his face and sat down with them. And, and um, the, the, the story is shared in, in a book by Taya Kyle, who also an amazing believer, the widow of Chris Kyle, the American sniper. And she selected me as one of the, um, one of the folks in her book, uh, American Spirit. But uh, I encourage anybody to, you know, it's interested. But that, that exchange changed my life. Um, God just grabbed me by the shirt collar and said, it's time to deploy you into another war, um, the war on homelessness, and huh. really deep poverty. And so I just, you know, I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing, but if that's, you know, where you want to send me. And so I've been in it for 30 years. Wow. Well, what would you say... And you've worked with a lot of people. Uh, are the root causes of it? Uh, just real quick, my our daughter used to work with the homeless, and she said there were three groups, three main groups. And I don't know if you would agree that, with this, but there's the chronically mentally ill, there's the chronically drug addicted, and then there's a third of the people, about a third, 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 that are transient, that. Ha- a lot of things happened at once. They lost their job. Maybe they lost their marriage. Maybe they lost their health all at once. Or, you know, they just had some big trauma that happened. And those are the ones that are more uh, open to, you know, getting out of homelessness. The other ones have. But, I mean, let's hear you on this subject. Yeah. And if that kind of uh, is consistent with your experience. 
Yeah, it's a great question because I think that, you know, this is where it really starts to break down from um, the way the government sees this problem and really the way society is seeing it. They're seeing it all as, you know, one causative factor, which is, you know, well, they don't have affordable housing, so they get more housing. So that that is a, we, we um, across the board, reject that. Um, there is some of that, right? But this whole idea of there's one side that fits all or there's one root cause and so and that's how the government seems to do everything they they always do you know one size fits all one policy for everybody they do not see people as individuals they don't have the compassion that for each individual person so i'm sorry i just yeah (laughs) really because i've spent really you know the last three decades studying this dynamic if you will this this um this kind of toxic you know kind of kind of thing and and in the Marine Corps, when we would bring a journalist with us, we would say that they were embedded with us. And I want your listeners to hear that. You know, I've been embedded in this very, um, in a very difficult. Uh, so I've seen things that nobody else could really, you know, very few people get a chance to see, just like a journalist would see the horrors of war. I've seen horrors of our society really being dismantled by social reengineers, and and you know, it's um. It's concerning, but I love that your daughter came up with those three things. I, I see it a little bit differently, and, I, and these aren't like judgments, but there's, you know, when I talk to people, I have to break it down in the simplest form. So I said, really, there's three, uh, uh, three homeless um, uh, root causes. There's the, okay. the cannot, which is the mentally ill person. There's the, the will not, which is the person that typically is stuck in a really, really serious and, and, and life-threatening addiction. And then there's the have not, which is the economically displaced person. And the way, I, the way I've studied it and seen it over the decades is about 10 to 15 percent truly are can out. So these are people that literally have a brain disease. They're chronically, severely mentally ill. Uh, and then okay. on the other end of it, there's about 10, maybe 15 percent that are have-nots. These are people that are economically displaced, people that have lost something, people that perhaps have been through a tough economic situation, then they've lost their place. In the middle, the majority, you're talking about 80 percent, are will-nots. And so really? it's just really just, yes. And see, we have been, the public's been lied to. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It's not surprising, but, you know, what we have here is we have a government that's saying most of them are, are can-ats. Now, I'll let your listeners kind of decide why the government would say that. I mean, I, I know. And um, most of them are, are, are can-ats. And and so, therefore, if, I can't, if they're a can-at, they can't So we have to then, you know, put them behind a door, pay for their housing forever, blah, blah, blah. And really, it's creating a dependency machine. Um, very sad. And so, um, so what we specialize in at Solutions for Change is we engage with the will-nots. So we will go, we will engage with the will-nots, and we have this you know, way of converting them to have-nots. So for a very, I hope this is making sense, but a very simple way to look at this thing is it is a war on... You know, really the souls of those those folks, and the, the government is converting the will-nots to cannots, and they have billions, and I mean many, many billions of dollars on all the legislation to do that, and places like Solutions for Change are converting them to have-nots, because once I have a person say, okay, I've been on drugs, I've been out there on the street, I've lost all these things, but I now, Chris, I, I something's happening, I, I, I want to try. And I have not. So they have not. They have. They don't have the opportunities. 
it's my job, then it's Solutions for Change's job to come in, provide those opportunities in such a way that will help that person then transform their life. And, um, and so what's happening is we are, it's not the homeless uh, person that is the real challenge here. It's the system that is yeah. operating and systematized and really normalized around this victimhood kind of mentality, which is, oh, you're just going to be given a bunch of stuff. And people are dying in record numbers because of that. Does that make sense, Kathleen? Really? Yeah. I was at a, I was at a, a public uh, meeting recently yeah. in North San Diego County with a, the speaker was a, a police captain and he has been in, uh, he's been in police work for decades. Like you've been with homelessness. Anyway, he said that he's seen a distinct change for the worse in the um, type of homeless person that he encounters versus, say, 20 or 30 years ago in the same location. And it's it's a more, um, I don't want to mischaracterize, but he said typically the homeless person today that he, that he and his team interact with are, they're more aggressive, they're more um, unwilling to cooperate, they're a different, not a, not a better character, let's say, than they were maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And he's noticed a distinct change. And he was trying to explain what a big challenge it is for local police departments because they're so hamstrung in terms of um, very, very difficult to force someone to get off the sidewalk in front of somebody's business, for example. Well, and this brings up the difference between the government solution with housing first and your different kind of approach and your programs. So kind of Yeah, com- I want to get into compare and contrast those if you would. I want to well I want to get into let's talk specifics about the Solutions Academy because that's a 2-year program you got. So tell us what goes on with that. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll answer that question in, in relation to, to, the, to, to the difference. So the government approach, if you think about it, is it's a operating system of containment, managing, and controlling human beings. And, and what we know at Solutions for Change is you know, none of those things are going to work long time, and it's actually going to enable and, 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 and create more of the problem. Everybody listening to this should see that in living color out there in really sad form because it's the problem that despite all the billions of dollars being spent, the problem increases. So at Solutions Academy, we took a whole different approach. and Our solutions were changed. We took a whole different approach, and we built an academy. It's taken us 24 years of hits and misses and practicing certain things and really trying to learn from the people that we serve themselves how do we do this differently. And I got to tell you, the, the, the main factor in success is, is that, you know, probably about 15 years ago, I went through a course of servant leadership and I had a coach then that said, you know, I'm going to ask you to do some tough things. And, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm, you know, of course I'm a leader, you know, I didn't lead Marines and, you know, all this stuff and all that. And then I learned, I've learned some things about myself, some blind spots and the servant leadership course was just transformational for me. So I, I have this thing, what's good for me is good for the people I serve. So I asked all my um, employees to go through it. They loved it. And we said, we got to give this to, to our students. Now we, you know, I, we pay a lot of money to, you know, just like other companies, you know, they pay, pay to have leadership courses come in. So we built the academy around this idea is, and this still gives me goosebumps today. What if the how society sees these people as the very least of us. What if we could engage them, equip them, see them as gems, not as 
things to be contained behind a door, invest in them, grow them. And then what if we could then provide them with an opportunity to go back into society as servant leaders in their own right to serve for the sake of others and help other people stuck in what we call the churn to do Mm -hmm. the same thing. And so that's the, the, the goal of the Solutions Academy is to really lift people up through the series of and there's, you know, it's a whole curriculum. So, I mean, I know I'm giving you the broad stroke, 30,000 foot view, but we've developed an entire curriculum. Servant leadership is the core curriculum. But then all these other things, parenting classes, anger management, how do we, um, financial literacy. I mean, all the things that you hear with the soft skill development, but we're doing it within the context of God doesn't make junk you're not junk. In fact, you are a beautiful human being that if given the opportunity here can thrive and not just live out there, you know, interdependently, but you can actually serve as a servant warrior. We call them overcomers and you Mm. can help us solve it for more people. And I got to tell you, there's a big lack of purpose, you know, Ah. our people feel that purpose. Like, wow, I can, I can do this. I can be employed and, and in, in one of our social enterprises. So the Academy is one of three, um, you know, different uh, social enterprises. I mean, it's $42,000 a year to go through. Um, they don't have the money to do that. We ask our, uh, our donors, our contributors to, to fund it. And then through that process, our success rates are just, you know, going, they're, they're, it's really. Um, are you able to track, you know, relative that, to that, are you able to track uh, these people after they graduate from your academy? Let me just say, yeah. that gives me the goosebumps, too, just l- l- hearing how you described that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit, you know, to get goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, we are. And, you know, and again, we spent a lot of effort on our metrics and data because nobody else is tracking this stuff. They, like, they track, hey, do they get behind a door and stay there for a couple of years? And, hey, we got 90% of them to do that. That's all. And so what we're tracking is, is really seven areas of, of wellness and and. And we're looking at all those metrics, and we're and so 74% that come in in day one are getting to date. We call it 700. I like to have weird numbers and stuff, but day 700. So it's about two years, and then um, from that, then we lose about three percent uh, in the first couple of years. Where you know they'll uh, fall back out. So our recidivism is extraordinarily low compared to other. That's that's incredibly low. That's lower than that's lower than recidivism relative to almost anything I can think of. Yeah, and it's taken us a long time. So we're not just you know, hey, wow, this is super easy. I mean, it's taken us decades, you know, of of learning, making mistakes, you know, and, and building something. And what's really, of course, sad is, and I know both of you know this, is that. The entire system now has aligned with another um, approach, another, another. It's not, I can't call it a model, but another way of doing it that essentially um, hacks at branches and it really just puts people behind a door. And, and these people are killing themselves and hurting mm. our communities and, and our kids. And, you know, one of the reasons why we did families is because the children, um, you know, wow, we can not only if we can get to the parents that parent is going to then parent their kids and we're going to stop the next generation of, of kids growing up um, and, and, and turning into these horrible 
situations of addiction and, and trauma and homelessness. And so we just, you know, it's, again, it's like the root thing, but it's like the upstream thing, you know, where you're pluck, plucking them out of the river. Hey, why don't, let's go upstream and let's find out. Let's, let's stop it. If I'm, well, Chris, if I'm a homeless person and, uh, and so I'm coming in, say, with my wife or my girlfriend and I'm day one in the program and I'm, I'm a drug or substance, uh, substance addicted, because you have some of those folks, right? Do you, is that one of the first things is some sort of drug treatment program? Because it sounded before when you were talking about root causes, will not, but isn't that related a lot to some sort of substance abuse problem? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And especially now today, Brian, it's just the, the, there's the ease of access. And it's not just drugs, but addiction can take a lot of different forms. So this is, the, I mean, 20 years ago, it'd be really difficult to get a lot of these drugs. But the, today, you know, you can just swipe right and somebody will show up at your door with some of the you know, strongest marijuana you've ever smoked. Um, and there's also just a plethora of things. It's more it's I call it escapism. And of course, you know, we've oper- we're operationalizing sin. I mean, we're normalizing it so that, you know, you can also swipe right and have you know a sexual encounter in three days with somebody that you don't even know you can. You can, um, you know, you can go a few miles and gamble, you know, get stuck in gambling. There's so many different ways. And then, you know, what happens is people just get lost in that and they lose themselves. So, but yes, we do. And we're addressing all those things. So addiction, drug addiction, alcoholism, and so on, those are big ones. Um, And the way we do it is we learn that there's a lot of treatments. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. So what happens is, and this is um, this is a big crisis in itself. When you think of recidivism, people go into these treatment programs. They come out, they relapse. They might stay sober for a month or a few months. They relapse, and then they go back and do it. And there's a lot of money in that whole industry. So what we do is we we seamlessly take them from the treatment center bring them right to solutions. And then if you will, like, I hate to admit this, but when I started bowling, I needed those bumper things, you know, so your ball didn't go in the gutter. Right. Solutions becomes like one of those bumper kind of things where there's a, there's a, there's a whole framework there where we're not going to let them derail. And, um, and it's, it's a life changer. I mean, it really is because once we get six months or so with them, all of a sudden, all kinds of amazing uh, things start happening. Um, and this is and so beautiful. I think that you are dealing, you, you go right to the problem of the purposelessness and the lack of community. And so you can, yes, you can just be lost in this escapism and have no purpose, have nobody to connect to. And uh, we knew people in the homeless community that had no one to connect to, nobody, no family, no, nobody that cared about them. That's the root That's of right. the problem, and that is, of course, what is the basis of our Christian faith. Brian worked with a homeless man for six months. I, I mentored an individual mentored down, in, down in San Diego, and I met yeah. with him once a, once a week for six months. And um, it was really, you know, he was he was actually off the street. He was living in one of these shelters with a with a bunch of other homeless people, and the conditions were so horrendous that I could see where someone would prefer trying to make it by themselves on the street versus, frankly, being in one of those shelters. He said, "Don't ever get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom because it's going to be really scary what you find in there." That's one of the things I remember, but. I felt like I was really able to help him because he, he'd had kind of a uh, – he'd had a violent past. He'd been in and out of prison. He'd had violent encounters, and he tended to react that way 
to people that ticked him off in the homeless shelter. And we talked about the concept. We did absolutely talk about Christianity and the Bible. I wasn't able, I don't feel like in those six months to get him, uh, get him around or God hopefully by now has brought him around. But he, um, we did talk about the concept of Teflon man, which he felt so important to him because I said, you know, just when somebody says something against you, just let it roll off like you're covered with Teflon. And he kept repeating every time I met with him for the rest of the six months, he never stopped. Brian, that has helped me so much. So, you know, even just one concept like that I, it w- made me feel worthwhile. And he worthwhile. had someone that actually cared about him. Yeah, that, he had nobody. Yes. He had Nobody, no family, no friends. You know, there wasn't a connection. And that is the essence of our faith is reaching out in love. And so we want to kind of sum up. uh, I want to give Chris a quick chance to talk about these. Very quickly, though, Chris, you bought bought six buildings around your Vista campus, I think, for residency programs. So tell us briefly about that and how people can help. Yes, I just want to say that what you just described is discipleship, but I know we're getting low on time, so it's it's love, it's compassion, it's really discipleship. So I, you know, I, I uh, yes, we, so we were um, developed, it took me 10 years to get these six buildings uh, around Solutions for Change main campus, and we were going to be doing a big, pro, a big expansion project, and we were going to be allowed to do it with our business, with our model, the way we do it. And then, you know, the last couple of years, of San, the county of San Diego, I know we couldn't get to that. We were, maybe we were going to talk about it. They, they changed their mind. Instead of allowing us to do it, they, they said, we'll let you do it, but you've got to, you've got to do the, the way the government does. We didn't do it. So, uh-huh. so we've now, we have control over these six buildings. We, we actually haven't bought them. We are master leasing them, and we're trying to raise the funds over the next few years to buy them. So, I mean, I encourage you know, folks to learn about us, come by the campus, see what we're doing. It's amazing. And um, you can see like six parcels, right? I mean, we have an opportunity here to do some so much more good. And we hope that people will learn about it and help us do that. Excellent. So, yes, the Board of Supervisors, I've observed how they see homelessness more as a perpetuating, self-perpetuating industry. They spend so much and they accomplish so little. So we encourage all our listeners to go to Solutions for Change, support them with your donations, with your volunteer work. It's very meaningful. It's one of the best things we can do to reach out to our brothers and sisters who are struggling. We encourage you to do that to bless your neighbor. Till next week. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.